Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Our guest today, Kevin Ingram. We will talk Commodore baseball. The guest line is presented by Bowl and Branch, started by Vanderbilt graduates Scott and Missy Tannen. I had no clue how comfortable Bowl and Branch sheets could be until I got some. They are fair trade certified, meaning they are made under safe conditions by men and women treated and paid fairly. Try them free for a month. You can return them, but you won't want to. Once you get the sheets, try the mattress. That was voted the best mattress of 2018. Go to bowlandbranch.com. That is spelled B-O-L-L. Enter the promo code VANDY and get $50 off your first set of sheets. The title sponsor of our podcast this year is Jody Jones DDS, trusted for his creative design and committed to both the function and aesthetics of your smile. Jody Jones provides a range of sought-after dental and cosmetic dentistry services at his practice in Nashville. He's earned the title of number one in Nashville for his cosmetic dentistry and provides a unique luxury environment for patients who want his famous Hollywood smile or other services. Patients enjoy getting services from Dr. Jones and his attentive team in a spy-like atmosphere. Dr. Jones has worked with many artists, movie stars, and celebrities over the years and is dedicated to providing first-rate results to all of his patients. He never compromises quality so patients can be confident they will always receive the highest level of care. Thank you to Jody Jones DDS for making this season of the podcast possible. Norman Jordan appears on our guest line today. The guest line is presented by Bowl and Branch, started by Vanderbilt graduates Scott and Missy Tannen. I had no clue how comfortable Bowl and Branch sheets could be until I got some. They are fair trade certified, meaning they are made under safe conditions by men and women treated and paid fairly. Try them free for a month. You can return them, but you won't want to. Once you get the sheets, try the mattress. That was voted the best mattress of 2018. Go to bowlandbranch.com. That is spelled B-O-L-L. Enter the promo code VANDY and get $50 off your first set of sheets. Congratulations to former Vanderbilt pitcher Walker Bueller. His Dodgers made the World Series where they will take on the Tampa Bay Rays. Evan Ingram joins us today. He is the sideline reporter for Vanderbilt football, which is on hiatus for a while. Uh, Unfortunately, though, we have some baseball to talk about. Kevin, I know you did not get a chance to see the fall series this weekend, but you've seen a good bit of the scrimmaging and the practices this fall, and so that's what we will deal with today. And thank you for joining us. Oh, absolutely, Chris. Uh, always great to be with you. And uh, yeah, it's it's been kind of weird with football. I mean, uh, we did three games and then, you know, it poured down rain that game against South Carolina. But then uh, Missouri got postponed and this was supposed to be an open week. And uh, it all seems a little uncertain. Hopefully by the time uh, the Ole Miss game gets here next week, uh, they'll have enough guys to, to get back out on the field and, and play another game. But to just kind of a I mean, it's a, it's a strange spot in a strange season. But uh, the baseball Keeps on rolling, and uh, yeah, I did get a chance to watch quite a bit of the uh, the fall workouts, and uh, I wish I could have seen the uh, the World Series. Didn't get a chance to last weekend, but did see quite a bit of the uh, the fall workouts with some of the video stuff we did. Well, the motto for 2020 is there's no certainty, uh, but the closest I think we can get is the feeling that Vanderbilt baseball is going to be a factor week in and week out, and I talked with Aaron Fit about this after Saturday's game, and I'll probably have him on the podcast later but I think he and I independently walked out of that stadium both feeling like that's a national title caliber team. 
Yeah, it's it's hard to say. I mean, they have a lot of guys coming back, you know, names you know. I mean, Cooper Davis, uh, you know, at the top of the lineup. And, you know, Isaiah Thomas, I think, is a guy who has a chance to be maybe the, the next, you know, big player from this program. Uh, you know, look up and down. I mean, there's just quite a few guys that have been here. I mean, it looks like it, you know, at shortstop Carter Young is uh, pretty well installed. You got CJ Rodriguez who can catch your DH as, as he did some in the uh, series, but, you know, and, and then you got, you know, some guys who've played some, but aren't necessarily as, uh, as proven or you don't really know, uh, you know exactly uh, where they might fit in or, or you know, how, how it's going to go. But uh, you, you have to feel really good when you look at the pitching uh, look at the starters they are going to put out there. Uh, it's going to be something to watch. <laughs> I think when those, when those SEC weekends get here, uh, we hope, uh, you know, starting next March. Well, the conversations available being loaded always start at pitcher, but my goodness, I left this weekend thinking they've got one heck of a log jam at catcher too. And the loser of one of those battles, I think is going to be, somewhere heavily factoring into what happens at DH, but they've got C.J. Rodriguez. They've got Max Romero, who was really sort of a revelation, I think, probably to people this fall with how good a player he's been. You saw his raw power on display in Friday's scrimmage, or at least I did when he hit a couple of home runs. Alan Espinall played. Dominic Keegan, who I think we've all just kind of figured is the first baseman, caught some too, and it's clear to me that they have really got some decisions to make and some luxuries in case of injury behind the plate. Oh, there's no doubt about that. I mean, you, you would think CJ Rodriguez would be the guy, especially for as much as he played last year, but you know, Max Romero did some good things over the weekend and Espinal uh, got, you know, got a start or two uh, in, in the world series. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you, you talk about Keegan, you, you totally forget that, that uh, he was a catcher almost. I mean, he's a catcher by trade, but uh, it was, has developed into the, the first baseman. So they, I, I can't. They've they've had a really good situation at that position for years. I mean, going back to those college World Series teams and and even the one that that won it all in, in 2019. I mean, they've always seemed like been pretty stacked at that spot. But man, they, you, these are young guys, but uh, they seem about as good a shape as uh, as as ever at uh, catcher, which you know is key, especially when you're going to rely on your pitching so much. The other spot that is interesting to me is third. Jason Gonzalez is now back, had a really good weekend at the plate. Uh, Parker Nolan, a kid that Tim Corbin likes, he started at third a year ago. It's going to be very interesting to me how that one shakes out, and I'm just wondering what your feel is on who emerges there. Well, that's a great question because in this program, typically defense has put you in the lineup and then offense keeps you there. I think it's the way they like to say it. Now, Gonzalez didn't play this past season in 2020, but he's back. And one thing I noticed about him, it looked like he had really done some work in the weight room and conditioning. I mean, he looks to be, and this is no knock on what he was before, but he looks to be in just great shape. Uh, but Parker Nolan, he was a starter. He started pretty much every game at third base uh, in, you know, for as many games as they played in 2020. But that, that's a really interesting battle because, you know, we've seen going back earlier in his career, what kind of power that Jason Gonzalez can show you. Uh, with that bat and he's he's made some really nice plays at third too uh, when he's been in there so I, I think that's boy you know you talk about one guy gets the job and the other guy might be in, in a DH spot uh, that that could be the situation there but I, I sort of feel like Parker Noland is going to be the guy but uh, we'll see 
Yeah, and I wonder, Tim isn't normally a platoon guy other than maybe at catcher, but I wonder if we couldn't see that at a few spots. You know, DH, I think, is certainly going to be that way with all the bats they have. Third, another one. Second is kind of a wild card to me, too, and and you can also throw Tate Colwick there because he played short this weekend. I think we all think that's Carter Young's job, but he's another guy that could work his way into a situation at second or, or maybe even at third. Who knows? I mean, he's been an infielder. He's also been a center fielder. I do wonder if platooning is going to be a part of what they do just because they have so many capable options. I'd be really surprised if Carter Young's not the shortstop and maybe play every single game or as many as possible at that position. Uh, but Cola could be a possibility to play one of those you know middle infield spots. I mean, they, they have some options there. Uh, a guy who transferred in, Javier Vaz, uh, from LSU Eunice, uh, originally from Huntsville, uh, saw quite a bit of him in the workouts. Looks pretty impressive. Just looks like a, a pretty polished player. He's obviously uh, you know played some college ball already. He's a junior. And uh, Jack O'Dowd, I know, uh, you know, one, one of the first-year guys, uh, freshman from right here in Nashville from Lipscomb Academy, uh, another one got got some looks uh, over the weekend. So uh, shortstop, I just feel like it's going to be Carter Young. But second base, uh, you, you got some guys who can you can give a shot there. Yeah, I'm with you. I can't see him moving off Carter Young. Shortstop defense has always been a cornerstone of that program, and it, I I don't think he's going to mess with that at all. It, it, to me, it's. It's what do they do at second and third? Well, I mean, you say that. I mean, first could even be an issue. I, I would presume uh, Keegan wins that job. But, you know, another guy that didn't occur to me will be in the mix because we didn't see him this weekend, and this may be more DH is Spencer Jones. Uh, again, it's not really an issue of – it's really uh, what it boils down to me, Kevin, is they've got so many talented kids, and you may have to shake things up every now and then just to get a talented player – uh, some time on the field. Maybe that's more yeah. midweeks than the weekends, but it is a really fascinating situation to me. Yeah, I, I feel like Keegan and potentially Spencer Jones at first base, man, he's a big target over there. There's no doubt about that. But, uh, you know, we saw him some there last year. Keegan would be my guess, but again, you know, we're, we're a long way from the season starting. And, and you know how uh, they Tim Corbin and the, the coaches do things. They they give you a look at some different guys and some different lineups when you make your way through that first part of the season when you play a lot of non-conference games. And by the time you get into SEC play in March, it's a little more locked in and you have an idea of maybe a little more what it's going to look like. But, you know, it might be a, you know, a situation where uh, it changes on the fly when, you know, they, they feel like the, you know, one guy's kind of getting the edge on the other, but, uh, at, at, you know, first base is enough. Another one of those spots, but uh, you know, Keegan, Keegan did some things to the plate certainly over the weekend. Yeah, you bring up a great point because a lot of times I've seen in the past Tim experiment and thinking, why is he doing this? This kid's never going to play where he's playing in the fall. But then even on some established teams, you get an injury or two or an unexpected slump, and you see stuff like Tony Kemp getting switched to second or Harrison Ray, who I think started 2019 in the mix to start at third and ended up being the second baseman at season's end. I do think that's an underrated part of Tim's coaching is that he gets guys prepared for situations that we can't necessarily see coming. Yeah. And even in watching some of these workouts over the last few weeks, uh, just watching guys playing in unusual spots, uh, you know, seeing, you know, seeing Jason Gonzalez out there at short, you know, turning double plays and, and they just moved it. You know, everybody would take a rotation through all those spots. And 
even though it might not be where you would necessarily see those guys playing, they at least get a feel for it, understand what the position's about or what the person who's at that spot is supposed to be doing. Uh, so that if you got in a spot where you, you needed to try something new or you just got in an emergency situation where you needed to plug somebody in, uh, they'd feel pretty comfortable there. But, uh, yeah, gosh, just so many options. I mean, we're sitting here talking about all these guys and, you know, I've seen them all. We've seen them all play a, a little bit, at least in most cases. And, uh, you, you just kind of look and you say, okay, I know about, you know, a handful of positions that I feel pretty good about, but there, there are some where you're going to have options and some really good options for sure. I mean, what do you do? You know, when you look around the outfield Enrique Bradfield, he might be the fastest dude I've seen on that field. Uh, one of them anyway, uh, for this program, it seems to me like you're almost going to have to find a spot for him. If, you know, if he can get on base and make some things happen, because man, he is, he is just lightning fast on the, on the base paths and, and has looked pretty impressive in what I saw in his workout on the field as well. Well, this is when it really hit home for me. I mean, it really it hit home as I'm leaving the stadium and I'm going through in my head, okay, who's going to play where? And, and obviously good players are going to be squeezed out of regular jobs, but it hit me when I post a depth chart or what I think it might look like on our website. And somebody says, Hey, you left out Spencer Jones. And we're like, Oh my goodness. Hmm. Because Spencer Jones, a kid who is a lot of people think, um, you know, two years from now is, is a potential top five overall pick. That's how much talent you have. You know, in my defense, Spencer Jones, out of sight, out of mind, right? Because he wasn't playing this weekend. But that is how much talent they have on this team that a kid who is that highly regarded by the pros did not even pop into my mind as I'm putting that together. Yeah, it's they're, they're stacked everywhere, all over the field. You got to... Lots of lots of great options uh, when you look at this roster and how it's going to be put together. And yeah, I think what happens with Spencer will be interesting because you can, you know, you can play him at first base, you can put him in the outfield. But uh, boy, it's just a, like I say, he's just a, a big target over there at first base. You think back early in the season, he did some really nice things. Uh, uh, game at UCLA he was two for two with a double. Uh, got a start against USC, a double on a run against TCU, and you know when they made some of those trips out west. So uh, you know they definitely got a look at, at some of what he could do. Well, and the question with him, of course, is going to be he had off-season arm surgery, so I'm wondering if that's just going to be a thing where he can just DH and that's it. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. Maybe that's the case. Uh, but, yeah, um, he certainly – that that's, you know, interesting that uh, you, you try to figure out where he might fit in when, as you say, down the road he might be a guy who's a high draft pick. Well, and look at this, okay. Let's say C.J. Rodriguez wins the catching job. Then that means Max Romero is – ostensibly a DH, but then you got Spencer Jones sitting there. You got the loser of Nolan and Gonzalez. I mean, I don't want to belabor the point, but that's to illustrate it. That's the situation that they're in. Yeah. It's a nice problem to have, isn't it? Uh, I, I saw, and you know, they did some situational scrimmage work. We did some of the video stuff. Uh, we, we, they played about six or seven innings and, you know, each inning would have different situations where they put, you know, runners at first and third and one out or, you know, what, whatever the situation was. And I was pretty impressed with Romero behind the plate. Uh, if I remember correctly, somebody who hit a little pop and he, he went back and dove and made a great play. And I um, mean, we've seen CJ Rodriguez catch enough to know uh, he's pretty comfortable back there and can swing the bats some. So uh, yeah, it's there. There are some great options and the, the, the losers at those uh, positions, not that well, losers is the right word, but whoever you know gets, gets beat out for the spot uh, there, there'll be that DH spot that you can plug some people in as well. Well, one staple of, well, I shouldn't say staple, but one feature lately with Vanderbilt, too, we think about the pitching, but it's had offensive superstars 
with J.J. Bleday and Austin Martin the last couple years. Isaiah Thomas just had a monster scrimmage over the weekend, and he flashed talent at the end of 2019 when he played a little bit. Uh, he did it last year, and you know he wins the Hawaii series with that home run, and it just shown big power. Do you get the sense that he's that next big megastar for them? I do. It just it just feels like it. I uh, I was going back through some highlights from last season. I was uh, editing to, editing together some stuff the, from games that we had done. Uh, we didn't do that Hawaii game on TV. Uh, I think there was basketball going on that day, but I mean, you know, that's the one that really stands out. But you know, I was thinking about uh, a, a game we did. I think it was Illinois, Chicago. Uh, saw a home run on there. He hit over the monster and left. And then later in the game, in the ninth inning, he made a great catch out of right where he, you know, went went and got a ball at the warning track. Uh, he, it feels like he's the he's the next thing, uh, next big player out of this program. He's just so talented, can do a, a lot of different stuff, but. Uh, you just never know, man. You, it, it, it's funny. It was fun for me to, to look at those guys out on the field and think, okay, which one or ones of these guys are, are going to be the ones that, that are the next Austin Martin or J.J. Blade or Dansby Swanson? I mean, who, who's next out of this program that is going to be that uh, you know guy who's you know an, an amazing all-conference and all-American type player and then becomes uh, you know a high draft pick down the road? Well, of course, we know who that is pitching-wise, or some of who that is, because mm-hmm. the rotation is going to start with Rocker and Lighter, and then it becomes, who's your third guy? Who's your fourth guy? Who's your fifth guy if you need another starter in a two-midweek um, game situation during the week? So you also need a closer at the end. I mean, this is the case, again, tons of options. But if you're Tim Corbin, where are you leaning right now in terms of third, fourth, fifth starters, and who is your guy getting the ball at the end of games. I mean, I got to think Ethan Smith is going to fit in there in one of those roles, either either the third starter or the, the guy at the end. I mean, that game, uh, the, the the game Friday night, the first in the uh, series, I know he pitched at the end for the black squad. Um, that that would be my guess as far as, uh, you know, the, the back end, either the, like I say, either the, uh, the next starter or the back end of the bullpen. But uh Gosh, just so stacked at pitching too. I mean, uh, what what do you do with all these dudes? I mean, I, I are you like me? You just kind of look at them and go, where do they get these guys? I mean, they, you know, over over and over, you see these dudes coming out there throwing ninety five. They're just like you know six four and, and throwing mid nineties and and just ridiculous stuff. I, I know Chris McElvain's another guy they're pretty high on. Uh, you know, he. He made several appearances last year. He's kind of another local guy. He was uh, from Summit High School. Uh, he started the middle game uh, for, for the uh, Black Squad over the weekend. Um, I was kind of looking through the box scores here and, and, and trying to figure out uh, you know where I thought they might go. But, uh, yeah, they, they have some hard throwers. They have some, some, some great options there um, that, that they can go with. Uh, you know, Hugh Fisher. As I mentioned, Ethan Smith. I, I, I again, I, I think Ethan Smith is probably at the, the the next one on that list, which went behind Rocker and Lighter. Yeah, that's my guess too. But you know, they say these guys don't grow on trees, but I'm starting to question that a little bit. I, <laughs> I, I think, think they've they hidden one over there somewhere. Uh, yeah, I think you may be right about that. Well, and I don't know if you got a chance to see Luke Murphy, but he was kind of the standout of the week, and he comes in on Saturday and is hitting, I turned to a scout. I said, what's he, what have you got him on the gun with? He said, well, the fastball range is it's been 92. Somebody's also hit 97 and 98. Um, and then he's got a breaking ball. So like, I think people might've forgotten about Luke Murphy because of all the kids that were freshmen last year who flashed and 
Luke had a tough time of it when he wasn't playing, but don't forget about that kid either. Yeah, he had come back from arm surgery. I think he had Tommy John surgery year before last and then uh, saw him a little bit uh, last season. But you know, I, I think Tim Corbin was pretty excited about uh, you know what he had going on when he, when he uh, was, was in last year. Uh, Nick Maldonado seems like a, another name that uh, folks will be hearing a lot, a uh, sophomore right-hander. Uh, mentioned McIlvain, Sam Hiboki, I mean, Michael Doolin. I mean, you could go up and down. I mean, they just it's just a, an amazing collection of arms, no doubt about it. Well, and don't forget who will be motoring his way to Nashville um, in January either. Oh, that's right. The, uh, the young man from St. Louis, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, apparently, I, I've talked to some people that still are not 100% convinced that's going to happen just because... Like he's a kid who's a top five pick. And, and this is, by the way, complete speculation. But anytime a kid is a potential top five overall pick, um, you, you do wonder if there's a chance that between now and then he changes his mind. But, you know, they get him, and that's another kid who, any other rotation in America, he slots in the weekend from day one, probably. Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, you, you get a player like that who's that highly thought of he probably does go right into that spot in the rotation, you know, kind of like Kumar Rocker who comes in here as a true freshman and he's, he's pitching on the weekend. Uh, it, it's hard to know. I, I always think those, uh, those are interesting cases where, you know, I mean, gosh, you think about what you're doing when you're 17, 18 years old and you're going into your, you know, your senior year of high school, you know, the, the maturity level that it takes to, to make that step up and go play college ball and, and play against guys who are, you see on these SEC weekends that are going to be playing in the major leagues in the not too distant future. That is an amazing transition uh, to, to go from high school to that. But uh, these kids, man, they come out ready to go and have the, have the poise of people who've been uh, playing for a long time. I'm going to finish up with one question from our mailbag that is sponsored by Vanderbilt fan, Josh Minton an independent insurance agent operating out of Brentwood who can take care of all your insurance needs, give Josh a call today at 615-933-1979. Email him at josh at hqinsurance.com. Follow him on Twitter at joshuamintonhq or facebook.com forward slash jdmintonhq. He is my insurance agent. Tell him you heard about his business on the Vandy Sports Podcast and give him a try. He is of great help. He's been my agent for a couple of years now. Viewperior says, does it seem like Vanderbilt will field an offense with more raw batting power this this year? Uh, that, that's an interesting question to me because the, the team in 2020, I, I really wish we could have seen what they would have become. They didn't seem to me like they had a ton of power uh, in just the limited amount of games we got to watch last season. It was going to be a much different team from the national championship team, which was that, that team was never out of any game. It could be you know, eight to nothing. And you still, still felt like they had a chance if they had a few at bats left when you think about the the power they had in that lineup, this past year's team was going to be a little different. And I wonder if this team, this 21 team is more like that 20 team was than the 2019 squad that that won the national championship where you play a little more small ball. We, I, I go out there and, uh, and again, these, these uh, video segments that Brooks Webb and I did, uh, we did one on, on the bunt scrimmage where, you know, they, they keep score and it's about getting the bunt down and whether the pitcher or, or the fielders can make the play or whether the, the hitters can beat it out. They even use like, you know, short bases, uh, you know, less than 90 feet to, to try to, you know, make stuff happen. But, you know, I wonder if that becomes as it has traditionally been for Vanderbilt uh, and even more key part of what they do to tr- try to you know put some runs on the board. 
you don't have to have a ton of offense when you have the kind of pitching they have, but you do have to have some when you uh, certainly uh, play these SEC weekends. But the the power part of it, I wonder where it's going to come from. I think Isaiah Thomas is going to provide some of that as we've already seen, but, but who else can swing the bat? You know, can they, you know, with um, Jason Gonzalez back, I mean, can he give him that, that lift in the middle of the lineup, you know, with, with the power? Um, I, I don't know. I, I wonder um, I wonder that same thing. To me, that was one of the big questions about last year's team, and I, and I sort of feel the same way about this squad. Well, after watching them this weekend, you had Romero and Colwick and Thomas each hit two home runs in three games. You know uh-huh. Gonzalez has got tremendous raw power. He's still a wild card to me because we haven't seen him put it together for a full season. Uh, you've got Keegan, who I think they think is a power hitter. And I know you've got some other kids on that roster. It may be a guy we're not even talking about that steps up and, and sure. ends up getting a job and has a big year. So to me, I think, I don't know that it's 2020 power or 2019 power, excuse me, but I think they've got some. I, I want to compare them maybe to the 2007 team because that was a team that where, like you had Dominic DeLoso, I think maybe – I don't know if he went 2020 that year, but it was close. You had a guy uh-huh. like Alvarez that could hit a ball forever. Um, you, you know, you had Ryan Flaherty that, that just was a dependable all-around bat. They could beat you with power. Um, they could beat you with speed. And, and to that, I mean, Cooper Davis and Enrique Bradfield and Thomas, that might be the fastest outfield in college baseball. And I tend to think of runs as runs, right? It doesn't matter yeah. if you get them with home runs or if you get them with – uh, whatever, but the truth is it plays out differently um, in, in games. Like, for instance, you may run into a pitcher, uh, and you saw this even as great as that 2019 team was. You know, Luke Smith shut them down uh, for, for eight innings in Omaha, and, and you saw that happen a few times. A&M did that to him uh, on a Sunday, I remember. It didn't happen much, but it happens sometimes. I think what they have, and, and by the way, if the end game is Omaha, that's the toughest pitcher's park or the the best pitcher's park in all of college baseball. That's where you need a guy that can can win a game a different way uh, with the bunt, with the steal. And so I look at this team and I say, the thing that I really like about the offense, Kevin, is I think they've got the potential to bomb you, but when that's not going well or when you're not swinging the bat, you've got a C.J. Rodriguez who can make contact and put the ball in play. You've got two kids in Bradfield and Davis that can run for days. I see this as one of those teams that might be a little bit more slump-proof just because how it's put together. Now, that remains to be seen, but in terms of the raw tools, I think they're there. Yeah, I I would agree with that assessment for sure. The thing I like about Cooper Davis is – he can put a bunt down, get it past the mound, and all of a sudden he's at first base. I mean that, and, and that's what you need because you know power can come and go, and you can, you know, some games it can uh, it can serve you well, and you can put ten runs on the board. But some games, as you say, you face a tough pitcher on a weekend and, and conference play, and they can shut you down. You have to figure out a way to, to come up with something, and then obviously Omaha, if you're fortunate enough to get there, that's a that's a whole different deal playing in that that big ballpark. But um, I. I, I kind of feel like there's going to be pretty good balance, but I just don't feel like I've watched enough of this team to know what it's going to be. That we we need to see a larger sample size and, and see a see a month or two of of how they play and and who's swinging the bat and and who has the you know who's going to bring the power uh, you know for this group. Yeah, and that's a good point. I do think that they've got more than enough talent to win a national title, but going from talent to putting it together. When you're facing Georgia or Florida or A&M on the weekend, those are two different things. Yeah, 
Yeah, I always, you know, it's funny you talk about uh, TD, TD Ameritrade Park. I always thought it was like the ultimate irony that in 2014, they won the World Series on a John Norwood home run. It was the first home run they had hit in weeks. Uh, we had done a midweek game, I believe it was, uh, against MTSU. And for some reason, I was thinking it was Xander Wheel hit a home run in that game. And that was the last home run for the rest of the season, all the way through that final game against Virginia in the, in the College World Series. Uh, I always thought that was an interesting irony that that's the way they, they won that particular World Series, especially when I think the equipment was dialed back a little bit back then, the, you know, the way the, the, the baseball was that they were using, that it was even harder uh, than it has been in recent years. But um, I, I think they'll be fine. I think they'll find that balance. But, man, they have some great speed that, that's really going to be fun to watch. Uh, you know, those guys get on base and, uh, and, and manufacture some runs that way when they need to. I didn't realize this. I guess they didn't hit a home run in the NCAA tournament until that one. I'm going back. Yeah, that and was thinking, the only one. Yeah. Yep. Oh my goodness, that's that's crazy. Now I know. I remember they got walked off by one by Stanford. I think it was Austin Wilson hit one off Ravenel in the super. But yeah, the ball wasn't leaving the yard for much of anyone. No, that's for sure. Uh, but you know, that, that 2019 team, it, it, it's you have to remind yourself not to compare teams. To, to that one unless they they really do something special because the 2019 my squad that won the championship we may not see anything like that at Vanderbilt or in college baseball in general for a long time that group was really special yeah I'm, I'm in agreement with you there Kevin any parting thoughts or observations or anything before I let you go today uh just excited about seeing him get get back out there and play I, I wish I could have, would have had a chance to see some of the World Series over the weekend but um, it was fun just to go out and watch some of the scrimmage work and, and uh, see him go through some drills during the fall training. But uh, there, there's nothing like watching them play for real. And, and I, I, this group is so talented. They're pretty young. I mean, they have 17 new players, but man, they have some veteran dudes, too, that have been out there and, and know what they're doing. So uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to especially seeing those Friday and Saturday games with, with Rocker and Lighter. It's going to be special. Kevin, where can people find you on social media? Uh, you, can, uh, you can find me on Twitter uh, at K Ingram Sports. Um, that, that's you know I try to post some fun stuff on there here and there, and uh, I've been doing some writing as you have, of course, with uh, with Blue Ribbon, uh, with our friend Chris Dorch and uh, Blake Lovell, and uh, doing some podcasts and things there. So you can go to uh, blueribbon.substack.com and find that. And then uh, basketball will be getting cranked up soon too. So uh, looking forward to that, uh, calling some games for, for Vanderbilt for SEC network plus. And, and then I've, uh, called the games for Belmont university. This will be my 18th season. So, uh, trying to, trying to stay busy here as I know you do all the time. Yeah. Our, our lives, uh, meet a lot these days between blue ribbon and Vanderbilt sports. That's right. He's Kevin Ingram. I'm Chris Lee. Thank you for listening to the Vandy sports podcast. We'll be back with one, probably two more episodes coming later this week.